0: I remember as a 19-year-old standing in front of a magistrate, getting ready to go to prison. That was what I thought was going to happen. My lawyer thought it was going to happen. I was so ashamed of my life to that point. And this country magistrate said to me, after hearing testimony from Brett, that youth worker, about how I was changing and how I was looking into this career as a youth worker, uh, just how much of an idiot I'd been.
1: Hello, I'm Paul Munir, the Executive Director of the Youth Intervention Programs Association, and I'm a youth worker at heart. How lucky am I? I have the privilege to meet youth workers from around the globe and learn their stories and share them with the entire world. I'm glad you're listening because together we'll learn how their life experiences shape their youth work. As you listen, I encourage you to consider how your experiences shape what you have to offer young people. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi everybody, for this episode we're joined by Aaron Garth. Aaron is the Course Coordinator of Community Services at Stotts College Australia and the Executive Director of The Ultimate Youth Worker. Aaron has worked as a youth worker in a number of settings including a church, street drug and alcohol outreach, family services, residential care, local government, and youth homelessness since 2003. Aaron, thanks for being a guest on the podcast.
0: G'day, Paul. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Really excited to be here today.
1: I'm super excited to learn more about the ultimate youth worker, but first let's learn about you and unfold where your passion for serving young people came from. Let's just introduce you to the listeners a little bit. The people that know you best, what
0: adjectives would they use to describe you? Oh, that's such a good question to start with, Paul. I really love that one. I think they'd start by saying I'm stubborn and pig-headed, particularly when it comes to the things that I'm I'm most passionate about, that I'm an adventurer, that I'm a person that deeply cares about other people. They're the words that most come to mind when I think of the people who know me best thinking about who I am.
1: Normally, you don't think about a youth worker as being pig-headed or stubborn, but also caring and compassionate. How do those two things jive?
0: Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. (laughs) I think most of the time, my heart as an advocate for my young people is uh, driven by that stubborn pig-headedness that uh, I want to see the best outcomes possible for them. Like a dog with a bone, I, I just don't let go of that. I just fight for their opportunities, I guess. And that's where my stubborn and pig-headedness comes in most, is through that advocate heart side of things. And conversely, and at the same time, that care, compassion, love that we have for the young people that we work with is so important as well. We can be their advocate and fight for them, but if we're not showing the care and compassion for them as well. We're just another face in the crowd. So I think that's, for me, where they come together.
1: I can see how they blend together beautifully. And it's great to have a stubborn, pig-headed champion for young people because young people all over the globe seem to get the short end of the stick way too often. So to have some strong advocates, some people just dedicated to fight on their behalf is wonderful to learn about.
0: For sure. I think all too often our young people do get that raw end of the stick. And from time gone by, Adults have looked at children and young people and have dismissed their being as, uh, oh, you're too young or you don't know enough or whatever it might be. And having adults who can get alongside young people and genuinely care about what they have to say is so important. And then being a, a voice for them. Advocacy is very much about helping that voice to be heard. And uh, I think that's where my stubbornness and, and my care and compassion all come together.
1: That's cool. That's a great combination, a great story. And thank you for working so hard to make the world a better place for young people. It's wonderful to hear things like that. Let's back up and figure out where your passion came from. Can you just go all the way back and talk about your childhood and what that was like?
0: Yeah. I don't remember a time where there wasn't some form of conflict in my house. I'm the eldest of three brothers. My mum and dad had always had a a, a temperamental relationship. We would be uh, a very nice way of saying that. And so mm-hmm. always some level of conflict in my house. And I remember many times just kind of sitting in bed as, as a child and just thinking, why me? Why is this happening to me? And I think a lot of the young people that I've worked with have similar stories that, why is all this stuff happening to me? I hated school. School was just a a horrendous (laughs) space for me. Teachers trying to shove knowledge down our throats as if we're blank slates with nothing going on in life, except our studies. And just not realizing how much of an effect that home life has on on study. So in, in primary school here, just not enjoying that time at all, not, not getting along with other kids because of what was going on in my life. Just that sense of no one understands what's going on for me at all. And that happened from my very first preparatory classes onwards. As I said, lots of conflict in the house. When I was seven, we were looking forward to welcoming a sister into our house, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, my sister was stillborn, and that that mm-hmm. was really the the kind of nail in the in the coffin for for my family. From that point on, there was disconnect. There was diverse thoughts about how we were going to do life together. My parents really did just move away from each other, uh, even though they lived in the same house. My mum now, looking back, was quite depressed about mm-hmm. what had happened. My dad threw himself into, into work. All, all of these things, not unusual when there's been a tragedy in the, in the house. But as a seven-year-old, All I saw was just this conflict that became the the central tenant of our family, right up until my parents got divorced when I was 17. So for the next decade, just conflict in our household.
1: You made some choices that had an impact on you. You got into a little bit of trouble, is that right?
0: That's right. With that conflict, with that recognition, I guess that innate understanding that, that my parents' were going through their own stuff and had to do their own thing at the time. I also felt that I had to go and do my own thing. And I I grew up in part of Melbourne here in in Victoria in the northern suburbs uh, called West Heidelberg, low socioeconomic community. We, uh, it's the area that was the 1956 Olympic games, Olympic village. And once, uh, the Olympic games left, it became social housing area. So very Mm. low socioeconomic area. The school that I went to was a fairly low socioeconomic school. And I started to get into some trouble, uh, that started in the classroom being disruptive because I saw that things weren't fitting for me and that life was getting in the way of that from there started to becoming suspensions at school starting to plug in with the wrong crowd as as uh we we hear all too often and from there i i started to get in trouble yeah with the police uh stealing cars and and shoplifting and all all the fun and exciting things that I could get my hands on at the time to distract myself from the crap that was going on in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And often we think of young people doing stuff like that as nothing more than just a cry for help or a shout out to say, hey, things aren't cool in my world. Somebody pay attention to me. In retrospect, do you think that's what you're trying to convey to people?
0: Uh, yeah, I think for me, it was saying that life at the moment is so full on for me and no one's listening to what I'm saying. No one's really asking me the questions uh, about how's life because, as I said, my, my parents are going through their own stuff, so they're focusing on them. Teachers are just trying to get curriculum. Out. There was really no one listening to what was, was happening for me. And so I was shouting in the only way that I knew how to. And that was through causing as much mischief as, as I possibly could.
1: I can see that happening. And at what point did you come to the understanding of that kind of behavior, that kind of reaction to the stressors and the trauma you were facing weren't going to work well for you? How did you get away from repeating the same things over and over again?
0: Oh, Paul, it wasn't until I was almost 20 before for that old kind of came together for me. I think when I was a, a late teen, maybe 16 or 17, I was fully kind of into into this life. I was out most nights stealing cars or, or getting drunk or causing mischief in, in whatever way I could. I saw that was just how life was going to be. And it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that some good friends got around me and, and uh, a, a local church pastor spoke in, into my life and good youth workers who had been speaking into my life for a very long time. Everything kind of finally clicked uh, in that yeah, late 19, early 20-year-old Aaron to say, if you keep doing this, you're, you're going to end up dead or in prison. And mm-hmm. if, if that's the, the track you want, then then go for it. But I think you want something more in life than that. It wasn't just one conversation or one person. I think all too often as youth workers, we hope that that one conversation that we have with our young people is going to put them over the line. But it was the, the day-in, day-out conversations with those friends, with those pastors, with those youth workers that were telling me that I could be more than that rat bag who was out there every night causing trouble, getting drunk, stealing cars. It was the the long-term discussions that finally overwhelmed my defences.
1: Did you have to resolve the trauma of your sibling that was born still to get past this? And if so, how did you do that? Was there people to guide you through that process?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'd say I'm always resolving that trauma and the trauma of my family part of being a a good youth worker i think is always wrestling with the stuff that's on the inside the the stuff that makes us who we are and one of the ways that that i do that is i see a psychologist somewhat regularly in the same way that you would tune up your car, I see it as a tune-up for me. And w- one of the things that I remember saying to my psychologist a, a little while ago was, I thought i dealt with some of these things. And, and he said, you had, Aaron, as-, as a 20-year-old, as a 25-year-old, as a 30-year-old, you- you've dealt with these things in the different parts of your life. But as different parts of your life emerge, I'm now almost 40, husband, father of five kids, That is a very different lifestyle than I was as a 20-year-old. And that brings in some new thoughts and new understandings and new pains of my background. And every year, every new challenge in life, you have to deal with those things that have made you who you are. So yes, I did have to deal with the the trauma of of having a stillborn sister. And I remember speaking to social workers and counsellors and youth workers throughout my childhood and, and teen years, but not really understanding what was going on. And so not having a language to be able to wrestle with those concepts of grief and loss and trauma and hurt and pain in a way that was leading me anywhere in a positive sense. It really wasn't until my mid-twenties that I started to really have a language for this stuff. And, and really that happened as I was starting to study to be a youth worker and having to think about this stuff uh, through the lens of how would I help other people.
1: Wow, that's great stuff! Thank you for sharing that story and and your growth and your evolution into being a full person and dealing with some difficult things in your past. Just curious, how is your relationship with your parents and your siblings?
0: Yeah, work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah? I I think we would all love it to to just be rainbows and butterflies, but uh, yeah, you know, trauma is trauma. While I. Very much dove into dealing with my trauma. Some of my siblings are still running away from from that trauma in many ways. It's an unresolved trauma for my father particularly, and that's caused lots of angst for us. The eldest son and and father dynamic is a tough one at the best of times, but uh, throw a trauma dynamic in there and and even more so. Luckily, and I think just through work and life, my relationship with my mum has become uh, a lot more open and we're able to talk about some of this a little more. And only earlier this year, I got to sit down with my mum and finally start to talk about that time of life and how, with hindsight, I could see that she was struggling with the death of her daughter, the depression, the the anxiety that that breeds. And for for my mum, she very much shut down in many ways was that physically present, but emotionally absent parents. And understanding that from a psychological perspective was relatively easy for me as a person and doing youth work and social work. That's my background. You, You know, all of that, as a theory, as a knowledge point. But being able to actually sit down and and have that conversation over a cuppa with my mum and, and say, for me, that was a real turning point in life that I hadn't really thought about, but it comes up sometimes for me. What's that like for you was a really really positive conversation could have gone completely pear-shaped but it actually made our relationship closer i think so yeah that's 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 great family at the moment yeah
1: well i i feel like i know them well and thank you for sharing (laughs) all that aaron we do have to take a short break when we come back i'd like to dive into how you got into youth work and how you started the ultimate youth worker podcast and uh, whole website so we'll be right back No matter how you support our young people, the Professional Youth Worker powered by Yippa has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yippa.org. that's training.yipa.org, to see for yourself, and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy-to-access, exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcasts, the Professional Youth Worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are just $99 for individuals and only $250 for your entire organization. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. And we're back with Aaron Garth. Aaron is the executive director of The Ultimate Youth Worker and also the course coordinator of community services at Stotts College in Melbourne, Australia. Right before the break, you concluded talking about your family. I'm wondering at what point in your life did you realize youth work is a thing that I want to get good at and I want to help other people with?
0: I had no idea about youth work, Paul. It was something that I'd been involved with as a young person, but I hadn't really thought of it as a job or a profession or anything like that. I started to train as a a motor mechanic and dropped out of high school and and was just looking for what was next and had a little experience as we've heard earlier with cars and I love cars. I'm a a big V8 uh, Ford fan. So I thought that was going to, to be my job and I started a, an apprenticeship a, as a mechanic and I loved working on cars, but I hated people wanting their car back yesterday, as uh, as we all know from dropping our cars off at the mechanic. I was chatting with an old youth work friend, now old youth work friend. He was my youth worker when I was a young guy mm. and, and he was managing a, a youth drop-in centre and he, he said, Aaron, we're trying to get our, our youth group started again. From scratch, you've had a bit of experience of that. Would you come in and volunteer and help us out to start it again? And I said, Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, and I did that for about six months while I was doing my mechanics apprenticeship. And Brett, this youth worker friend of mine, and, and I caught up for a coffee one day and said, How's it all going? And I said, I love working on cars, but I don't think mechanic for me. We started to kind of spitball, well, what could be for you? As as we were chatting, you know, I was mentioning how much I was loving helping out in the youth group and all of these younger kids from West Heidelberg just reminded me so much of my own background. And and I just said to him, look, wouldn't it be great if someone paid you to do the work you do, Brett? That'd be a great job. And he said, Aaron, people do pay me to do what I do. It's called youth work. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I just, I had this mind blown moment of really, you get paid to do this thing, you know, to play pool and drink coffee and, and have conversations. This is a job. And he said, yeah. And I said, how do I get into this thing? And, and that was my, my moment, if you like the light bulb moment, everything clicked for me to, to start looking at, at youth work. I was really blessed to be in in a church at the time that was looking for for someone to start doing some youth programs with our local school. And I'd mentioned to, to my pastor that I'd just had this conversation and he said, well, if you enroll into some study in this space, you can come and start working with us. And so it was that very much apprenticeship model start doing some study and we'll give you the opportunity to to start doing some work. And I was 21 when all that kind of started to fall together. And I enrolled in a a local training program called Youth Dimension and started to learn about this great big mystery of working with young people. And the more that I learned, the more that I wanted to learn. And here I am, 39, running a course now for for those who are in very similar places, just wanting to learn how to, to work with young people.
1: I got to believe all your experiences that you had growing up have been wonderful assets for you in understanding and being able to establish trust with young people. How have you been able to use your life experiences to better equip yourself to help others?
0: Oh, I I remember as a 19-year-old standing in front of a magistrate, getting ready to go to prison. That was what I thought was going to happen. My lawyer thought it was going to happen. I was so ashamed of my life to that point. And this country magistrate said to me after hearing testimony from Brett, that youth worker, about how I was changing and how I was looking into this career as a youth worker, uh, just how much of an idiot I'd been. And this... Magistrate, I found out many years later, was an ex-Golden Gloves boxer and he took no crap from nobody. He just said, Aaron, many people can learn from your experience if you're willing to show them that there's another way. And And I took that idea going into my youth work course. And it's been a balancing act, I must say, Paul. There's times in my career that I've told the young people that I've worked with about my history and the difficulties that I had with alcohol and with partying too hard and with getting into trouble with the law. And there's times where I've worn a a three-piece suit because I'm hanging out with our Department of Human Services staff and managers of services, and they would have no idea about my history. And I think part of that, it's not trying to hide who we are, but it's about, will my story support this young person in, in the change that they're trying to make? that's something that only comes with experience and learning and time. I remember sitting in a class, probably somewhere around second year of my youth work degree, uh, an ethics class, and this discussion of how much do we tell others about our own background came up. And discussion with our tutor was very much a turning point in my thinking around this, because previous to that, I'd heard you know, psychologists don't tell about their stories. It's all about the client and social workers don't open up. And and here this tutor said, oh, actually, youth work is a relational practice and we have to have some level of relationship with the young people that we're working with. And the only way that can happen is if there is sharing of our life stories Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether I've worked in drug and alcohol and uh, with some of the young people there, I've told my story of struggling with alcohol throughout, you know, my late teens into the early 20s. Others would have no idea that I'd ever used alcohol. Working with clients from Justice, same thing. How do you know who I am Without me telling you who I am and the experiences I've had as a young person with the justice system. Some people know, some people don't. And it's about thinking will my story help this young person to reevaluate where they're at?
1: That's great. So you got into youth work, you did a variety of different things. At some point, you decided to start this. Ultimate Youth Worker, which is training and helping other youth workers in a variety of sort of ways. And you have the Ultimate Youth Worker podcast. <laughs> and and I'm shocked at how much Yippa and the Ultimate Youth Worker are in parallel tracks with so many things. And yet here we are on the other side of the globe. How did you start the Ultimate Youth Worker?
0: I've never met a youth worker who wants to do this job half-assed. We all want to be the best we can possibly be to help the young people that we work with. I remember way back in in 2012 was when we started Ultimate Youth Worker around the middle of the the year there. There were a couple of us, uh, we'd all studied together. We went out for a few drinks one night and we were just lamenting our own careers and the friends that we'd had through our course that were no longer in the sector. Here in Australia, there's some statistics that would say if you've got a degree in youth work, you might last five years in youth work. And I'm sure it's similar around the world. Uh, it's It's a tough profession. And if we don't look out for ourselves, burnout is a guarantee. And so we were sitting around lamenting that we weren't getting the support, we weren't getting the supervision, we weren't getting the training to really help us with the issues that we were facing, things like child abuse, things like the issues with the education system, things like the personal reflective practice side of things that so has marked my own journey. And I like to say it was me because, hey, I'm the head of Ultimate Youth Worker. Uh, There you go. And I said, if we're going to bitch and moan about this, we should do something about it. And so we started as a, a little supervision service Just reaching out to our friends who were in the sector and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. We're starting to do some external supervision. We want to keep you in the sector. We think that having experienced uh, long-termers in the sector is is helpful. And here in Australia, if you make 20 years as a youth worker, you're about one of 2% of those who Mm. go into youth work. And hey, I want that 2% badge. I'm only a year away from it. So... That was where we started, just as this idea that we want to keep our friends in this space because we know how important it is to have long termers there. From there, we were asked to start running some training and program development and all that type of thing. And that has spiraled and grown to be the ultimate youth worker. And people ask us, why the ultimate youth worker? And it comes back to that idea of, None of us want to be just mediocre at this job. We, yeah. we want to be the best. And the only way we can do that is by learning from each other and encouraging each other to be the best. So, yeah.
1: Well, thank you on behalf of our young people for being so dedicated into starting something on your own. It takes a special kind of person, I believe, to break out of the norm and try something different. It takes courage. It takes stubbornness and bullheadedness <laughs> to make something like that happen. So thank God you have those characteristics. And good luck to you. And I know you've got the Ultimate Youth Worker podcast. How can people hear your podcast, Aaron?
0: We're all over the place. So Apple Android, Google Play, Stitcher, a- anywhere you can find a podcast, we're pretty much there. Or you can just come to our website, okay. www.ultimateyouthworker.com.au. Great. I encourage other youth workers who enjoy listening to The Passionate Youth
1: Worker to check out your podcast. I've had a chance to listen to a few episodes and it's really well done, Aaron. So thank you also for doing that and spreading the message about the importance of youth work and how to be good at it and how to be the ultimate youth worker. (laughs) Aaron, we're just about at the end of our time together, but I do like to ask every guest that comes on the podcast, what words of inspiration or wisdom can you
0: share with our listeners? Don't fight kangaroos. They're, they're, they're pretty uh, pretty <laughs> yeah. rough animals. That's, that's
1: really solid advice. I'll never fight one of those.
0: <laughs> uh, i like particularly to let our American listeners know that. We don't ride them to school very often. Yeah. Um, uh- <laughs> But I think as far as our space as being a good youth worker, you've got to be critically reflective and focus on who you are as a person and never give up being a lifelong learner on that journey. The day you think you know yourself or know youth work fully is the day you've got to hang up your boots. Always be a lifelong learner.
1: If you would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. If you have feedback about the show, please let us know. Just visit training.yipa.org, that's training.yipa.org, and click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to a generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker.